Happy Christmas Eve, guys. What presents will the Marlins be getting? Maybe tomorrow under the tree for Peter Bendix. Uncertain at this point. What does the Yamamoto signing mean for the Marlins? Also, the offense. I have some positive vibes. The core is here. We need a DH, but the core is absolutely here. This Marlins offense pretty much has built, ready to rock and roll, in my opinion. Tons to get into on a festive Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Don't forget, there's Marlins Twitter madness that is on the horizon as well in January. So be sure to follow me on, on Twitter or X or whatever we call this platform now. Looking forward to another tournament. See if I can progress through the first round this year. That'd be nice. Uh, this. This, uh, there's also a YouTube channel. This, there's there's also a YouTube channel, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe over there, too. It is also called Locked on Marlins. Uh, and, guys, happy Christmas Eve. I'm hitting this one relatively early on Christmas Eve. Uh, for those that know, if you know, you know. And if you are doing the cooking for your family, if you are hosting Christmas, if you are cooking, um, then you know the sheer amount of preparation that is required from a food perspective, a present wrapping perspective, you know, all that stuff. But particularly food-wise, it is probably T-minus, I don't know, 28, 30 hours until this, this turkey's going to be served. I'm already out here going to be slicing sprouts, I don't know, peeling potatoes, whatever's required to make sure it's a stress-free Christmas day. If you are in the boat that I'm in, then this episode is for you. I'm here to help you get through a bit of sprout slicing. <laughs> um, guys, there's tons to get into here. And we're going to start with some bigger, you know, bigger theme uh, topics, or one topic in particular, and that's Yamamoto signing with the LA Dodgers. Boy, oh boy, the Dodgers are, uh, are having an active offseason here, no doubt. So we're going to talk about that and how that impacts the Marlins, because it does impact the Marlins, particularly if they are looking to um, trade one of their arms. So we'll talk about that equally. I want some positive vibes. I woke up this morning and it, I just suddenly thought about the offense as currently constructed. I, I think there's more positivity we should have. Yes, the Marlins offense generally was below par for the entirety of the season. They were like bottom. They might have been the lowest run scoring team in the NL, which sounds pretty crazy, but I, I think they were. And even so, they they found ways to win, and I must say, post-deadline, it felt like the offense felt different as well. So we'll talk about that. What it will then also highlight is there's no getting away from the need the Marlins have to replace Jorge Soler. Could they replace Jorge Soler with a new Jorge Soler contract? So a Soler coming back, wait to see on that one. There's other guys that fit a similar profile um, that could also be considered. So we'll talk about that as well. Tons to get into here, guys, uh, on Christmas Eve. And thanks for joining me, making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. This episode is sponsored as well by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 
in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. You visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Okay, and where are we starting? If you are watching, you have the graphics to help you. And you will know we are starting with Yamamoto. The Dodgers. The Dodgers get another stud into, into their rotation. Uh, you know, there was talk of the Mets. There was talk of the Yankees, maybe a surprise team. In the end, the Dodgers get it done. <clears throat> Yamamoto going to them. $325 million over 10 years. No crazy Shohei Otani-style contract structure. This one's just more traditional, let's say. So the Dodgers committing to Yamamoto, bolstering their rotation. They needed to do this, by the way. From a Dodgers perspective, this was a clear need. Shohei Otani's contract structure created this situation where they still had the available uh, in-year or payroll flexibility to go and sign Yamamoto. I think this was the plan all along. Otani doing what he's doing. And then, of course, Yamamoto wants to come and play uh, in L.A. also. L.A. Dodgers. It's the mecca for these uh, APAC players, I guess. Um, you know, unsurprisingly, maybe. And will continue to be for years on years on years now, now that Otani and Yamamoto are both there. So, well done to the Dodgers for pulling the trigger on this one. Um, there was clearly a few other teams that were heavily interested. The funny thing in my perspective here is that the, the Mets... Steve Cohen went heavily after Yamamoto, heavily after him. Flew over to Japan, I believe, had him over to his house. You know, there was plenty of courting going on. Steve Cohen took things to the 325 number. At one point, it was like, is he going to get more than 200 million? In the end, he gets 325. Steve Cohen pushing the market. But Yamamoto at the end, this is the funny thing. And this will kind of come back to the DH conversation and. You know, we'll connect this back to the Marlins. Yamamoto, at the end of the day, it wasn't about the total dollars. It was about the total dollars that he could get from the Dodgers. He wanted to play for the Dodgers, in my opinion. And he used he used the Mets to make it happen. Much like maybe Shohei Otani used the Blue Jays to make something happen with the Dodgers. Maybe. So, you know, there's a lot of, again, players, they have destinations where they want to go to. They have clubs that maybe they want to go to. It isn't just about who signs the biggest or who, who makes the biggest offer. It's about getting those guys to make the biggest offer that then you can use elsewhere. Do you want to match it? Dodgers went, yeah, we're going to match it. Yamamoto to the Dodgers. So let's connect this back into the Marlins then as well. What does this mean? Well, it means there's a few teams out there that were actively seeking Yamamoto that haven't got him. Like I've already mentioned, both New York teams, the Phillies maybe, I feel like the Giants were in. feels like the Giants are in on everyone. And they never, they never close anything. They never close a deal, the Giants, seemingly anymore. So they'll be, you know, that, for, for the Giants, actually, they should be considering maybe the trade market. <laughs> like clearly this free agent big splash methodology isn't working for them. Again, that takes us back to the Marlins. So it's there's a lot of rumor here can, from a Marlins perspective around them looking to trade pitching to get offense. And with Sandy being down, that's a pretty risky situation, clearly, because there isn't a ton of depth, um, you know, beyond the, the five guys that you could kind of list out maybe to start the year. 
So it's not a ton of depth. So it's a risk. We know based on, I mean, I've watched baseball for seven seasons now. We know that there will be a need for probably eight to 10 starters, probably more like 10 in the modern day game with this pitch clock that seems to be putting extra, extra stress on arms. So you know there's going to be a need to test that depth. So from a Marlins perspective, it isn't just about have you got five, it's about have you got 10. What does the 10 look like? The funny thing is, at points last year, those guys that were like called up to make spot starts here and there, they performed pretty well, I think, in the main. I, I kind of think about like Brian Hoeing, he had a little spell. Obviously, Ryan Weathers brought in, finished the year strong. Once that, you know, everyone mentally had checked out on that game. It was a pointless game, but Ryan Weathers finished strong, nevertheless. You know, Max Myers coming back. Like, there is some depth there. The question is, is whether the Marlins go down the path this offseason thinking about a kind of Johnny Cueto 2.0, maybe not quite as checked out maybe as Cueto or washed as Cueto. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair with Cueto. I don't know. It didn't work out, frankly, with him. So, I, I, you know, I do wonder, but, you know, can they, can they go and get a vet or two just to kind of plumb in here? Or are they happy with, like, your Devin Smeltzer types? Like, again, Smeltzer kind of in parts was effective. It feels like that's maybe the method they'll go down of, like, just kind of stocking up AAA with some, you know, vet guys that could start, maybe come out of the pen, maybe, you know, play multiple roles. Feels like the kind of profile here. So with that being said, and how does this impact Yamamoto and the Marlins as well? What does this all mean? It means that there's a big piece off the board now. A big piece, a free agent piece. And this is the thing. For the teams that have money, they will spend that first. Because if you spend the budget and allocation of funds that you have first, then great. If you can't, then you then consider trade options. Trade options are the second option. You make a trade once you run out of free agents that you want to acquire or pay or see the value in. because. As with any trade, particularly when you're acquiring good quality starting pitching, you have to give to get. And so that's the difference here. These teams, they start with the free agent market. Once the free agent market starts to dry up, then the trade market starts to heat up. And I think that's where we are now. I, uh, you know, Once that deal dropped, my sense was Peter Bendix, Bendix's mobile phone will be exploding. Speaking of exploding, we're going to carry on this conversation talking about the pitching market. Equally, the positive vibes from an offensive perspective. Before we do that, tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. They didn't actually ask me to give it that, that kind of extra zhuzh on the heart, but it felt right. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, you're back here with me, Peter Pratt, on December 24th, Christmas Eve, pre-Christmas dinner prep, for me anyway. Thanks for joining me and making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. And I hope, I hope that you're enjoying this as you are preparing your dinner also. We're doing it in lockstep, potentially. <coughs> Pardon me. So, 
Yamamoto to the Dodgers, big free agent off the board. Frankly, the biggest free agent starting pitcher that was usable this year anyway, um, off the board. A lot of discourse around this guy too, by the way, just talking about like he's not going to be uh, added to prospect lists. He's not going to be ranked. Then some people went away and some guys kind of asked them all, okay, if he's not going to be added and have rookie status and be a prospect, officially a prospect, where would you rank him? Um, and a couple of guys came back and were like, yeah, not quite as high as Paul Skeens and in and around this range, like maybe kind of between 15 and 20 or 12 to 8. What a nonsense. <laughs> what a nonsense. <laughs> this, is the, this is the funniest thing about prospect evaluations at times, really. Like, if that's what you do and you, you're a, a pure prospect evaluator, there's a clear bias. You have a huge bias in the value uh, of prospects at this point. And frankly, Yamamoto at this point is the number one pitching prospect um, in baseball. He has to be. He absolutely has to be. It's a funny situation. Um, but who really cares? Prospect lists, in my opinion, are just there for fun. To be honest with you, it's just all for fun. It's all irrelevant. What you put on the field at the big league level is what truly matters. Um, however, prospect statuses, maybe they help. Um in terms of trading, a way we can get a buzz on a name that maybe the team isn't quite as fussed about. I don't know. Anyway, back to the Marlins and Yamamoto. So big big piece off the board. What does this mean? Well, it opens up the trade market, as I mentioned. There's a few really obvious trade candidates. And, you know, Corbin Burns is one. Final year of his deal. What are the Brewers doing? You know, don't know. Willie Adames, same question. What are they doing? Don't know. Again, I, do you know what I'd, I'd love to see with Corbin Burns? This is the really interesting thing with him. Man, I'm going way off topic here, but like, there's a lot of big themes happening right now. But for a Corbin Burns type situation, for a team to come in and trade for him at this point, you know, I'd love to see uh, like you, a team, an organization, maybe try to recreate the the Tyler Glasnow situation, where you hook into Burns, you say, "Listen, we want to do a deal here." We want to extend you. We're going to make this trade. If we can extend you now, then the trade will go through. If it doesn't, then then fair enough. We'll we'll go our separate ways. So I'm intrigued to see: do we get do we get a double bubble? Do we get the Glasnow extension that was necessary to facilitate the trade? And do we maybe get a Corbin Burns one too? Nevertheless, that he's a big piece, big name, and in many ways is the. Best pitcher that's acquirable. Close, and, and the question is, is what pitchers are, are acquirable acquirable elsewhere and what are the Marlins making available? But Corbin Burns definitely fits that profile. Top-level pitcher that is available, in my opinion, by a trade. Dylan Cease is another name, big name that's being talked about. Um, again, two years of control on Cease, but you know, he is going to be available. So there are guys available, but they... The interesting part of them is Burns one year of control, Cease two, um, Cease equally, as I talked about in previous episodes, and the everydayers will know that I, you know Cease had one good year, one very good, very good year. Cease the rest of it, mid rotation starter, you know numbers. To be honest with you, so Cease is overhyped in my opinion. I hope he goes to the Braves. To be honest with you, um, and they they get a haul back for him. They'll probably trade Vaughn Grissom. He's the most discussed trade package option name that I've heard all offseason for some reason. Vaughn Grissom, quad A guy. He's a quad A guy. Can't defend. Sticks. Okay. Vaughn Grissom is, is, is non-entity, but somehow the Braves will turn Vaughn Grissom into a, into a stud. We just know how this is going to pan out. 
Um, but from a Marlins perspective, if they are truly looking to move at this point, Jesus Lazardo. And I just want to talk about this real briefly because we've been I've been talking about Lazardo for a good couple of episodes. Could you trade him for Royce Lewis one for one? Just to go back on that topic, by the way, the Twins fans hated that deal. I didn't see, I don't think one Twins fan say or suggest that's a good deal. The Twins fans are saying, well, a few of them are saying, we would really like Jesus Lozado in the Twins rotation. However, not a single one of them were willing to trade Royce Lewis for that. Um, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything, frankly. Um, Royce Lewis, a lot of you know, a lot of twins rightly pointed out the upside is immense. He could be amazing. Just imagine if so many ifs, buts, and maybes with Royce Lewis. Frankly, when he's been on the field, it has been impressive, but he hasn't been on the field nearly enough, nearly enough, to warrant the levels of hype. Actually, in some ways, there are true correlations over to Jazz Chisholm Jr. Some people say Jazz Chisholm Jr., the most hyped guy, most overhyped guy in Major League Baseball. And when he's on the field, he's quality. Problem is, he struggled to stay on it. So I get it. I get it where people are coming from on the Royce Lewis. Anyway, Twins fans hated that one. He is not available by all accounts, according to Twins fans. He is available. But we'll see. We'll see. Nevertheless, Lozado, three years of control on Lozado, a lefty, and just a top-quality arm, and a, and a dude. With all of that pieced together, Jesus Lozado, the most valuable, potentially available starter. I want to say valuable. I'm not saying that he's head and shoulders above Corbin Burns. He's better than Cease, easily. I'm not saying he's head and shoulders over Corbin Burns. What I'm saying is... The value associated with three arbitration years versus Corbin Burns' one and the age and everything else means that from a value perspective, Lozado has a higher value right now than Corbin Burns, in my opinion. So the other thing to go back on here, just because I was going to talk about Lozado specifically, is I do not want the Marlins to trade Jesus Lozado. I just want to put that out there now. I have talked about it quite a bit because, and the reason I've talked about it is the sense that the organization is going to make a deal to restock the farm. And the way to restock the farm at the fastest pace is to trade away the most valuable pieces. Jesus Lozado is one of those guys. I personally, as a Marlins fan, and I'm just a fan of the podcast, by the way, I do not want the Marlins to trade Jesus Lozado right now. Or maybe ever. One of the questions is, is should Jesus Lozado be extended? Should the Marlins look to extend Jesus Lozado and go into like a Sandy Alcantara type situation? Lock him up for multiple years. I see almost, I see such limited risk around that in some ways. Equally, we see Sandy and we see the risk where signs the deal. At some point, he's going to get hurt. At some point, there's going to be a year where he's missing. Because that's just what happens with pitchers these days. In, in a three, four, five-year span, they're, they're going to be gone for one of those years. So do the Marlins look to make that commitment to Lozado? Again, going back to Lozado, by the way, I've been thinking about this too. How did the Marlins get Lozado for two months of Marte? Unbelievable deal. Unbelievable Kim Ang job. That was the moment where I knew Kim Ang was a different trading operator. I just knew it at that point. Stunning deal at that point. 
And the Marlins have done all the hard work. I've said this so many times about the Marlins. They've done all the hard work getting the pitching. How do they get better? Oh, and this is the frustrating thing. I'm going, I'm going off on a different segue here because I wanted positive vibes. And it is kind of positive vibes. But how do the Marlins get better? They've acquired all this pitching talent. Most of it is cheap. Most of it is very cheap. They've done the hard work. The offense needs to be better. And at this point, could Bruce Sherman put a little bit more money into this? Could he add some more dough to the payroll? When I look at the glaring need of the offense, like clearly you need to replace Jorge Soler. You need a DH that can hit you 35-plus home runs per annum. So Bruce has to make that happen. And when I look around the wider landscape of the game, revenues are up, revenue sharing is up, Everything's up. Everything's way up. Inflation's up. The other thing that's up is luxury tax payments. The Mets are paying over $100 million in luxury tax that is shared with the low-revenue teams. It's more free money for Bruce. National TV deals, revenue sharing, luxury tax sharing. This $100 million roster is paid for by pretty much all the other teams. Bruce is a bottom-five payroll at this point. I'm asking you. Put some more money in, commit to it, let's get a, a couple of extra offensive pieces, and let's roll again, baby. I know the model is, let's trade away our assets and restock the farm, it isn't sustainable. But in some ways, it feels like 24-25 is this Marlins window. Arias is here, Lazardo's here, Sandy will be back, uh, Bell's here for one more year this year. You know, Jazz is going through arbitrations. Like, it's, it feels like 2024, 2025 is the now for the Marlins. All this money flowing into the Marlins because all these other teams are paying them. Bruce Sherman, I implore you. Let's, I'm okay to think about the future. I'm okay to think about starting to get your drafting right, starting to get developing right, starting to get the international scouting nailed, all of those pieces. But let's not take a major step back on the big league roster to try to get the double-A team looking sexy for the future right now. That can happen. There's going to be an opportunity to make that happen at some stage, but I, this is the Marlins' window. And that's why, from a fan's perspective, there's such a degree of frustration right now that there's any talk about Luis Arias being traded, Jesus Lozado, Sandy Algander, anyone. There's no need to trade these guys. They're still cheap. For what they deliver, they have multiple years of control, and the Marlins have done. The, Kim Ang did the hard work in acquiring these guys. Now it's time to for the fan base sit back and enjoy it. Last year was amazing as a Marlins fan. We were in the mix all the way through. It feels different. Trust me, when you are not in the mix, baseball, it feels kind of pointless. To be honest with you, one six two of a terrible team is pointless. To be honest with you, it's just pain. <laughs> But last year was so different. And this is where I'm going to segue into it now. Positive vibes. When I look at the offense and it's in its hole right now, we got to think, okay, there's not going to be any Jacob Stallings offensively, so they're going to get better, a catcher, with the offensive production. They're going to have to. Joey Wendell's not here at shortstop, the worst hitter in baseball. Gene Segura, the worst hitter before him, playing at third base every day. He's not here... 
The Marlins are getting better simply by having three guys not on the roster and replaced by other guys that definitely won't be as bad. They're improving there. But not to slander those guys, but where they are getting better is the fact that the Marlins went at the deadline again, a Kim Ang extravaganza. She goes and gets Josh Bell. He opts into his deal, so he's still here. Josh Bell, after having a bit of a struggle in Cleveland, he comes to the Marlins, and in 53 games, 11 home runs, a 119 OPS plus, an 818 OPS, like, and he hit 270 as well at this point. And a massive uptick for Josh Bell. So, you know, if you can get, you know, if you can get Josh Bell, you know, doing what he does, you know, he's a 30 home run dude. He's a 30 home run dude hitting 270. Like that's what, that's what the career numbers kind of tell us when he's hot and when he's settled, that's what you're going to get from Josh Bell. And he's there for the whole season, depending if the Marlins are in it. You then think about Jake Berger. He was added and Berger had a one hell of a end to the year with the Marlins. It was a different type of year to what he had in, in, in Chicago, to be honest with you. When you look at what Berger did, he comes in, he ends up having, what is he, 53 games as well, nine home runs. But the other thing, he hit 303, a 130 OPS plus, an 860 OPS. Bell, Berger, the numbers tell us they're above average sticks. Above average sticks that are still here, that weren't here in the first part of the year. For two-thirds of the year, those guys weren't here. They came in, they made a huge impact. Jazz, we know who he is. The question will always be with Jazz, can you get 150 games of Jazz Chisholm Jr. in center field? That's going to be the question. It will forever be the question. Right now, we've never seen it. But in 24, could we see it if we do see it? Jazz, Arias, we know what we get from Arias. Jazz, Arias, Berger, Bell. Those four, it's a, it's a really nice four. It's a really nice four there. Jesus Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz, serviceable, okay. There's room to improve, by the way. They need, they could do with another impact corner outfielder. But again, positive vibes. Both those guys had average to above average seasons offensively. You then think about what they're going to do at shortstop. Don't know. What they're going to do at catcher. Don't know. But... You know, the question then remains is, what can you get the DH spot? What can you get there? Can you get Soler back in? Can you get Teoscar Hernandez? Doesn't have to be DHing. Could you revive Avisel Garcia? Who knows? Probably not. Probably not on that one. Won't dwell on Avisel Garcia on Christmas Eve. Um, could you get JD Martinez in? Like, <clears throat> there are a few options here for the Marlins. Going back to Yamamoto and thinking about Soler, I've said this on an episode prior. My belief... Just from what I see with Soler, is that Soler wants to sign with Miami. I think he wants to stay with the Marlins, Hoy Soler. I think he's settled in South Florida. He wants to stay. So what does that mean? You're probably going to see some rumors coming out that Jorge Soler has met with the Mariners and he's met with the Diamondbacks. And it's going to be, it's going to be one of those situations that Yamamoto has done where his agent will rock to him and go, to Bruce Sherman, to Peter Bendix, we have this on the table from the Mariners. We have this on the table from the Diamondbacks. You want to match it? If you can match it, Jorge will sign with you and remain a Marlin. At some point, that conversation is going to happen. It's going to happen because, in my opinion, Soler wants to stay with the Marlins. And frankly, the Marlins 
need him. They need him at this point. They need that thump. This whole lineup doesn't work without Jorge Soler or someone with that profile. It's essential, necessary. There's nothing coming through the farm that looks like that profile. You're going to have to pay for it. Why not pay for something that you are familiar with, you know can work, and you know fits the culture and the environment? Food for thought, but that conversation will happen. Wonder how it turns out. Nevertheless, guys, thanks for joining me on Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas Eve. Happy sprout shopping. Happy potato shaving. I don't know. Whatever you guys are doing today in preparation for the big day, Christmas Day. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen and joining me. I will be back tomorrow with a Christmas Day special. I look forward to seeing you guys then and talking Marlins baseball on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, guys. I'll see you then.